welcome back to another episode of the Quillette Cetera podcast. Today I'm with John Aziz. John is a British-Palestinian peace activist living in the UK. John's father was born in a rural village in the West Bank. He went on to study astrophysics and got a PhD in America. While John was brought up in the UK, he was very much brought up with a connection to his father's Palestinian and Arab culture. He's a proud Palestinian man, but he also supports Israel and Zionism, which I found very refreshing and very surprising. John writes about this in a piece for The Atlantic published in November. The piece went absolutely viral and that's how I came across John. I'll link you to the article in the show notes. I really recommend that you read it. And I really hope that you get a lot out of this conversation. I definitely did. Without much further ado, let's get into it. Uh, John, how did you come to write this piece? Um, yeah, so I, I'm a Palestinian British guy. I, um, you know, I, I, I've been using Twitter, you know, most of the time Twitter's existed at a fairly small and unsuccessful level. And I, um, you know, after the October the 7th attack, I was writing some stuff about my feelings about the conflict, about how the Palestinian cause has become dominated by groups like Hamas and how their strategy of, uh, you know, kind of eternal resistance for kind of maximalist demand of a Palestinian state from the river to the sea, um, how that seems to have just completely come off the rails and failed. And there's obviously horrible violence taking place in Israel, where you know people are being killed in, in over a thousand, including you know hundreds hundreds of civilians, and of course there's terrible terrible violence in retaliation, while Israel is trying to destroy Hamas in this war. So um, I don't like seeing either of those things. Both of those things are pretty you know emotionally horrifying. You know, it's 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 any anyone with any empathy can feel for the. You know the total destruction that we see in both on October the seventh and in Gaza. It's a horrible thing to see. So I was feeling quite passionately frustrated about um, the situation and about the history of you know the failed peace negotiations in two thousand and two thousand and eight, and you know Hamas takeover of the Palestinian cause since then. And I was just feeling very frustrated, and I let out some tweets on Twitter and um, or X or whatever, you know, whatever we call it nowadays in Elon Musk's brave new utopia. Um, and um, yeah, the, the Atlantic for whatever reason picked up on my, uh, picked up on my, my views and thought that they would, they would like, like to publish them. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it was so successful? Why, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Why are people so interested to hear what you well, have to say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. That's probably multiple different answers, aren't there? I think, I, I think, I think, I think when, when an article is popular and then you know thousands or millions of people are clicking on it, it's going to be popular for lots and lots of different reasons. You know, individual to each of the people clicking on it. But I, I think people certainly want to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not representative of the Palestinian cause. I don't claim to speak for the Palestinian people. I think certainly some, some people wanted to hear a dissident Palestinian voice. Um, I think there is definitely frustration worldwide in Palestine and in Israel at the failure of the peace process over the last, you know, tw- well, 75 years, I was going to say 20, 20 or 30 years. Cause that's, that's kind of the, the, my, my, my lifespan. But, um, 
I think I think I think people people want to see a peaceful, reasonable resolution where you know people on both sides can live a normal, a relatively normal, peaceful lives. And I think I I think that's um, some so, something there are people on both sides that want that that, that, that want to see that. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, we do on. have a we do have a plethora of. Uh, opinion pieces, though, from Palestinians and the pro-Palestinian cause. Uh, we've always had those. What do you think makes your perspective so different? I think, I think to some, you know, I, I, I'm def- from my point of view, I'm, I'm approaching this as a, you know, kind of a, kind of a humanist, right? I'm trying to look at things from the perspectives of both Israelis and Palestinians, and trying to wish the best for both of those people. And I think there is a lot of vitriol on both sides. I think Israelis probably do find it hard to look at things from the Palestinian perspective, and Palestinians equally find it hard to look at things from the Israeli perspective. So I think, I think because because I'm approaching it from the from the frame of reference are trying to be empathetic and kind to both groups of people and, and that's a controversial thing to say i get you know i i can sometimes get pilloried by palestinians for having too much empathy for the israelis i've i've been i've been accused of being a tokenized voice that israelis can use to make themselves feel better about themselves oh if if if, if only all the Palestinians thought like John Aziz that you know you know there there will be peace and of course I'm not I'm 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 not I'm not saying that ultimately peace has to be be between the people who exist there has to be a, a peace agreement that takes into account um, the positions of both groups as the, as there was in was in Northern Ireland right the 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 the, the Republicans and the the, the um, you know the Unionists they didn't radically change their position to make peace they made peace by coming together to make peace and and to set up a system where both of their both groups could you know mutually coexist so yeah I I I, I, I certainly don't want to be tokenized either and and and, and treated as if I'm I'm so, so, somehow separate to the uh, to, to 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 other Palestinians, I know it would be so much better if John if John's mm-hmm. views were were more um, you know more normalized on the Palestinian side. I think I think mm-hmm. it will take it will take leaders in Israel and Palestine who have you know pro peace views and pro coexistence views and pro empathy views. I think that's very important, and that's that's really who I'm who I'm, my criticism goes at is is really it's towards the leadership on both sides to look at each other more in in a empathetic and tolerant way. Do you think any side? This is a bit of a spicy question, but I'm putting it out there. Do you think that? any side has a monopoly on empathy or tolerance or this humanist streak do you think it's a no. cultural thing yeah I, I i i i i would say that um there are definitely there's no monopoly at all there is there's em, as empathetic humanistic people on on both sides there's there, there, there's there's no doubt about it no doubt at the same time there's there are cultural differences right between um the Israeli side and the Palestinian side. And I think the the power dynamics of the situation probably make it easier for Israelis to be peace activists. You know, as a Palestinian peace activist, I'm far outnumbered by Israeli peace activists. There's more of a culture of dis- like dissent and pluralism, perhaps in Israeli culture, as opposed to Palestinian culture. Maybe Palestinian culture has 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 a di- dimension of sort of conformism to it where people who are dissenters you know i, I have a 
a, a friend from Gaza who, you know, he's been arrested over 20 times by Hamas, right? Just for expressing, you know, basic basic political criticism of Hamas. So yes, there's there's there there, there are cultural differences, but ultimately we we are the same human beings, right? We're the same um emotional animals right we're, we're, but both sides we 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 we're the same we're the, we're the same organisms we're human beings and that mean that, that that means that ultimately everything we do is within the humanistic paradigm of all the m- multiple different things that humans can do uh there has been this sort of rhetoric that um you know Hamas who obviously isn't the the Palestinians in general, but Hamas does play into or takes advantage of um, the Israelis' desire to 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 live and to not suffer. That Israelis value life more than Hamas or Palestinians. Yes. So, so I I think I think you're talking about the Hamas. You know, somewhat of a slogan, which is "We love life." Sorry, we love death more than you love mm-hmm. life. Um, and I, I, I think the the history of that originates really in kind of medieval warfare, right? It, it originates in wanting to train an army that's willing to defeat the enemy. And um, if 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 you teach your soldiers that you love to 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 to, to love death. To love the prospect of death—that that is an effective thing because, of course, you know, of course, we saw the, the the militaristic success of various Islamic empires throughout the you know the medieval period, the Middle Ages. That's 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 abs- that, that's absolutely something that's been utilized as a as a military strategy, and that I think that's something that Hamas is utilizing as a military strategy today. That that they they um, kind of. Um, promote this idea that yeah, I, I, I mean it's it's a it's they, they're using a, a religious concept here. They're using the idea that you know you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven, and if you go to heaven, then you're going to get you know a, 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 this this one wonderful experience uh, with you know a, a, a sexual component to it as well, right? But uh, with, with virgins and whatnot, apparently. But I I mean I mean. I I I I think that that is um it's it's a mil- it's a military strategy that's been used through the ages. It's a in some ways in some ways in some ways it's it's a it's a medieval strategy, isn't it? And I think mm-hmm. um I I I think that you know in terms of achieving peace, I don't think that's a the the, the that that militaristic strategy is a is a very good idea because it's so maximalist. It's so we have to defeat the enemy. We have to conquer them. I think that you need to open up a different framework. You need to look at more peaceful and more humanistic ideas. And that's not that that's not to that's that's not to ex- ever ever excuse. I would never never excuse you know Isla- Islamophobia, right? I, I I I think I think I think Muslims can be just as peaceful and just as humanistic as anyone else, but. I think I think I think I think in terms of the uh, uh, overall worldview of um, you know Palestine, the, the Palestinian cause, I think we need to um, we 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 need to focus on being constructive and building and 
you know, being uh, without 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 bringing the American definition of this into in, in, into context, being pro life. I think I think both 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 Israelis and Palestinians should be should be pro life. Not I, I mean that that's nothing to do with abortion. <laughs> okay, and and do you think as it stands that both sides are equally pro pro life? I mean, Hamas certainly aren't. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Hamas's war is, um, you know, it's it's the 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 the, the justification for the war is that um, they're going to control and dominate and defeat Israel, right? That's why, if you listen to the speeches of Ismail Haniyeh, that would be um, that that would be that would be something some, something that something that he would raise is that it, you know, mm-hmm. and he say he, he says the civilian deaths. Are going are going to strengthen their resistance. I mean, literally, Anir will say the civilian deaths are going to strengthen the resistance, right? Because it, it strengthens their resolve. So that that's not that that's not a pro life statement at all. That's a that's that's a pro death pro death statement. And I I would I would I would say that that um you know in terms in terms of developing developing um you know a, a, a peaceful um constructive Palestinian um peace movement. The, I, I don't think that the, the, the ideas of Hamas are compatible with that. Mm-hmm. And we have seen, I mean, it's been very eye-opening to me who had no connection to the Middle East at all. Uh, some of my friends who are Egyptian told me that they knew about memory TV and the things they'd seen on there. Um, but, you know, it's come out that some kids, some Palestinian kids have been, you know, essentially groomed through cartoons and other far for the mouse far for the mouse the jihadi mouse you know we've seen some images or videos of um kindergartens that have sort of been run by hamas and they're teaching kids to you know kill jews and how how do we come back from that because those kids are so young and they've already been so groomed. I mean, I mean, I mean, you have, you have to die to for the cause. You have, you have to change the narrative. You have, you have to change the narrative, right? You have to have um, a different, a different education system. A- after the war, we need to look at rebuilding Palestinian society. That includes infrastructure. That includes roads. That includes schools. That includes hospital hospitals. It also includes wanting to promote the idea of living constructively with. The neighbors of Palestine, which would include Egypt, and it would include Israel, and it would include Jordan. So you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't build a society on, you know, a, a desire for martyrdom and death. But I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm also gonna criticize Israel, right? I, I would say that, um, you know, the, the the huge number of civilian deaths. That's not pro-life either there's been a huge number of palestinian civilian deaths i think i think that you know there, there, and there's you know there's a, a, a quotes from israeli leaders saying that you know the focus is on damage and not precision so i think i think i think there's need for the the israeli side to take to take a more human humanistic approach i think i think i think they're probably um there could there could have been um a a plan to evacuate civilians from Gaza. I know that sounds very controversial and a lot of people are like, well, that's going to mean ethnic cleansing. Well, one idea, one idea that I've, that I've been hearing that is kind of a, a pragmatic compromise is why don't they build refugee camps in the Negev desert in Israel? 
So the, so the civilian population, they can go out of Gaza. You know, Israel can make sure people are not carrying weapons. They can go, they can go to the refugee camps in the Negev desert safely and without weapons and without being, you know, without the, 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 without weapons or without, without the capacity to attack to, to attack Israelis, right? And they could remain there until the war's over. That that would be that that would be one suggestion. And of course, of course, there are lots and lots and lots of other suggestions. There's a lot of hunger and starvation in Gaza. There needs to be more aid. We need to look at things like um, like dropping dropping food mm-hmm. from airplanes. Um, we need. We Could need I just to- stop you for a second with the first idea with putting refugees in the Negev mm-hmm. desert. If I was living on that border, which was the mm-hmm. border that was first attacked and when that border was mm-hmm. penetrated, I believe, on October 7th, sell that to me as an Israeli. Like, you know, why should I help people? I'll sell it to you. I don't believe there will be an ICJ case against Israel if there had been a proper evacuation of civilians from the Negev. Sorry, sorry, from Gaza into the Negev, right? That that that's one one plausible uh, advantage. It would have caused a lot less international heat, probably a lot less criticism from people in Britain and America. I think that that's that's you know, and and you know, even even if even if that one particular idea gets thrown aside, there's lots and lots more things that can be done to reduce the suffering of Palestinian civilians. And I think I think I think that is that is you know that. that Israel is is a relative superpower in this, right? So they have a lot more capacity for action and agency than um, a Palestinian does. Hmm. Okay, so you believe that Israel should be held to a higher standard for that reason? No, not 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 necessarily. I think I think standards have to be held the same, right? I think we have to, we should we have, we should judge things on the same standard. Absolutely, right? Yeah, and in fact, in fact, in fact, there's a dangerous kind of anti-Semitic precedent of holding Israel to a different standard to other countries, right? But in terms of capacity for um, action and capacity for um, you know changing things, I think I think Israel's a modern country, effectively a military superpower, you know, effectively, I, I believe Israel is the, the 14th um, highest country by GDP per capita in the world, you know, it's ahead of the UK, it's ahead of a lot of European countries, it's a it's a it's a successful I'm not sure about that one, actually. Look, look it up. It's no, number 14 okay. in the world. It's, 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 we're looking at we're not looking at we're looking at GDP per capita. Okay. Let's see. Because it was actually my belief that the the idea that Israel is like a rich country is quite a myth. Um, I'm, 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 seeing, I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I'm actually seeing a lot. I, I've seen. I've seen them ranked higher. Right. I, the list I'm looking at is actually putting them nineteenth, not fourteenth. Me too. I, I. Okay. I, I, I did. Both I did. Than New Zealand, for example. I did see a I did see a ranking where they were fourteenth. I, I I think these things vary, vary year to year, and they vary when you correct by PPP purchasing mm. power parity. I that's interesting though because the UK is number four number twenty two and Israel so, so, so is nineteen. What's higher in the UK? Even, even on that list, and I saw a different one where it was number fourteen. So it's in it's it's mm. in the top twenty, and I think I think I think that does give Israel. A a, 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 a a strong capacity to to, to, to do things, 
I think, I, and what, what's more, I would say the international community, countries like Saudi Arabia, countries like the United Arab Emirates, countries like the UK, the US, they also, you know, these are w wealthy modern countries also have a capacity to help, to, to, to help out and to reduce, reduce the suffering and to- I guess the argument is that they have been doing these things. Like Israel has, would you not agree that Israel has made attempts over years and from what i i understand and from from what i've seen maybe i'm wrong but israel has been constantly sort of handing out olive branches over decades and they're constantly sort of chopped quite violently maybe i'm biased i i i i think that that you know i think there has been um ideological anti-Zionist rejection on the Palestinian side because, you know, there was people like to go back to 1948, but there were anti-Zionist riots in the 1920s and 1930s. There were, you know, you know, there's, there, there is, a, there is a history of Palestinian complete rejection of the idea of Zionism, right? So that, that, that there is, there is, there is some, some truth to that. But what, what, what I'm, what, what I'm talking about is, just, just capacity, capacity for action right now. The Palestinians are a dependent, economically very weak. Um, diplomat, diplomatically, they do have some friends, particularly in the Muslim world. But compared, you know, I think I, I, I certainly think if if we're going to have a, a pro life attitude, if we're going to, if we're going to um, preach pro-life pro-human values we have to preach them on both sides and and i i think i think you know i was i was re I, I was reading marcus aurelius right um yeah, 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 yes you're right so and what one of the things that he 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 emphasizes is there are things in the world that we can't change that we have no power over and we have to accept those and if you're palestinian right israel is is not a thing that you control. What you control is yourself. The first thing you control is yourself and your own actions and your own thoughts. And that goes in, in, in the opposite direction if you're Israeli. You don't control what Palestinians think. You control yourself and your own actions and your thoughts. And I think when it, when it, when it, when it comes to this issue and it, when it comes to bridging this divide, because there's, there's a huge divide here and we need, in, in order to get to the, to get to the, you know, pleasant, peaceful, humanistic vision that I have, people have to take actions. And we have to take actions first, first of all, as individuals and second as communities and third as countries. And we have to, we have to accept there, there are certain things we can't change. And, but what we can change is our own actions and our own thoughts. And I think that, mm. that you know, I, 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 I argued um, yesterday with a, a group of vociferous Palestinians who were criticizing me incredibly strongly. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm to some extent, I'm a Pal I'm a Palestinian outcast. I'm a very controversial figure, right? Because I, I'm seen, I'm seen as being far too critical of Palestinians. That, that's that, that's how I get framed. I'm seen as far too critical of Palestinians because I'm always saying, what can Palestinians do to make things better? And I'm taking, I'm taking inspiration from Marcus Aurelius there because Palestinians do control their own actions and thoughts and their, their own Im Im immediate vicinity, right? The, you know, the, the, the first step to fixing things is taking little actions yourself, even, even within your own thoughts, even within, I want to have, even, even within thinking the thought, 
I want to have peace and I want to peacefully coexist. And I think there are so many things Palestinians can do. And I think it's so destructive where you have um, a, a lot of people on the, on the left, the far left, who, are, who strip Palestinians completely of agency and they say Israel is the only one who can fix this. And they're right in a sense that Israel has a lot more power, which is what, what we were just discussing in terms of in terms of economic power, in terms of military power, in terms of probably in terms of diplomatic power because of the strong relationship with the United States. But Palestinians do still have some agency and they can still take constructive steps towards working towards peace. And I, and I would encourage people on both sides to, you know, step, step one could just be trying to empathize with the other side a little bit, right? It, it, it could be it could be having a conversation with someone from the other side, it, and and you might not agree with them. You might you, you you might find they're a horrible person, in which case you probably need to <laughs> leave the conversation, block and report. You know if they're <laughs> threatening you or whatever. But okay. uh, I, I I think I, I think agree we, we, completely. And I I'm a massive you know stoic, and I know that stoic philosophy um, sort of melded with Christian thought, and you know this idea of the individual, that we're individuals with um, individual agency, that's the popular um, opinion in the West. And I love it. I think I think it's the best way to be. But I don't think that um, other cultures have such an emphasis on the individual or individual responsibility. And I also think that if you're into a really dogmatic religion, whether it's Judaism or Islam. Um, not that I think they're, they're very similar, actually. They're similar in some ways, but I think it's very hard to to have that sort of stoic um, response if you're, you have such a dogmatic religious belief. Right. No, no, that's, that's, that, that's absolutely true. Right. It's, it's, I, 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 I don't think, I, I, I don't know how much success I would have going, going to, you know, Hamas and trying to preach stoicism to them. Right. But I, <laughs> I, I, I still, I still think that secularly without reference to religion, even without reference to the, to, oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Marcus Aurelius without, without any of that. It is true. It is true that we can we, we we control our own thoughts and we control control our own actions in our little individual environments. And if we're going to achieve the things that we want to achieve, it has to start with taking taking the right the, the right small steps toward to, towards the things we want. This leads me into another question, which is do you think that peace is achievable? Uh with Islam being there, I yeah, I mean, I I think um, there uh, part part of the nature of the conflict, right, is that the Al Aqsa Mosque is one of the holiest sites in Islam, right, and the I, the the, it, the land of Palestine has been defined as um, Dar al Islam, which means Islamic land and part part of the vitriolic response to Israel has been the idea that this is Muslim land and Muslims need to be the rulers. Okay, Jewish people can be, you know, dhimmis and they can, you know, they can live, they can play the Jizya tax. And that is um that 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 that's been the model 
in the Islamic world for a long time. And there, there, there was a very large Jewish population throughout the Islamic world. And most of it now has gone to Israel since the, you know, the mi mistreatment of Jewish people in the Islamic world in places like Algeria, Morocco, and Iran, and Yemen, since the foundation of Israel. And Arab anti-Zionism has been a motivating factor for... Um, for maybe the mistreatment of uh, th those those long-standing Jewish communities in the in the Islamic world, and so and so all all of those people now are in Israel. So I think that uh, you know pra practically it's going to be necessary to change the the tactics and the strategy on um, you know the Arab Muslim Palestinian side. In terms of this is this is this is Dar al Islam. If there's ever going to be a two-state solution where Zionism is coexisted with, right? That that need that 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 needs to be something that 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 happens, and that can ultimately it's going to happen in individual brains before it happens collectively. And I I I, I can certainly tell you, I know plenty of Muslim Palestinians who will agree with me as individuals that. Okay, let's let's peacefully coexist with the Zionists. Whether and Palestinians whether, who live in Palestine, uh, so yeah, some of them, some of them, many, many, many of them are di in the diaspora because, of course, Palestinians are. Uh, we've been diasporized in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that you know, it's, it, obviously, Jew Jewish people have also had this diaspora life. Um, as, as, as well, so it's, it's a similarity Palestinians and Jewish people have. But yes, I, I do know some Palestinians in Palestine who will say yes. And if you if you look at polls, you will see it goes up and down. There's, there have been times when it goes over fifty percent, and then there are times when it goes down to ten percent. Right now, we're closer to ten percent. But yes, sorry, percent what for support for the two state solution? Ah, uh, okay. Sorry, sorry, did I not make that clear? So sometimes, sometimes the, the support it goes up and down, right? There, there, there is support for peaceful coexistence and a two-state solution, and it's, it, it goes up and then it goes down. But um, you know, it has at, at various points, support for a two-state solution has been over fifty percent. To what extent that support for a two-state solution is temporary in the way that Hamas, Hamas's position, some has has been, has been various things at, at various points. They have claimed, oh, yes, we would like a two-state solution temporarily. So there is also an element of that. And then ultimately there will be an Islamic one-state one solution. But, I mean, I think, I think, I think, I mean, I, I, it, this, this is an incredibly co complicated and controversial topic to, to comment on. And I'm also, I'm personally not religious. So in terms of com commenting on other people's religious doctrine, but I certainly know some Muslims who are of this mind that yes, we can coexist with the Zionists, and I think I think that at some point, at some point, that could rise to a critical mass where you do get um, a, a, a society that is um, willing to, um, you know, accept accept a peaceful coexistent two two state solution. I mean, what what is Dar al Islam? Right, has changed over the centuries. There there have been you know. Uh, Muslims are not trying to reconquer Spain, right? At the moment, that I have seen a few videos on memory TV and I've sent to Spanish friends, being like, "Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, those are those are idiots. They don't have, they don't have, they, 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 these are really 
extremists, and they're, they're certainly not in Spain trying to reconquer it. They, I mean, I mean, they, they, of course, the, the most extreme people want a global caliphate, don't they? Which is, and, and I think, I think, I think, I think that that you know, if, if you're of the mindset you want to conquer the whole world, whether that whether that's for Islam, whether that's for Marxism, whether 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 that's for the United States of America, I don't know. Whatever it's for, if you're of the if you're of the mindset you want to have a global empire of one ideology. It's very hard to coexist with anyone of that view, right? Um, but Definitely. I think, I, and just the I, fact I, that I've heard that, like some Somalian Muslims, for example, I think it was Sam Harris talking about Ayan Hirsi Ali, and that she grew up with no no Jews around, but had this concept that she should inherently hate Jews, the Yahuds, just because she was told that. Um, so I, I have a really sort of, I think with the, this branch of um, Muslim fundamentalism, it's going to be really hard for Israel and Jews to live peacefully there. Um, if it was a more sort of reform, like obviously in Judaism, there's like Orthodox, there's reform. And then it's the same in Christianity. Like I think some forms of, Islam are probably more compatible to having peace, but fundamental. I mean, I mean, a lot, a lot of countries, a lot of countries have signed Abraham Accords with Israel. Uh, you know, the, and I, I, I follow a, a Emirati kind of peace, peace activist who's a, who's a who's a Muslim, and he's constantly posting about how his Jewish friends love to go to the mosque with him in the UAE. So there, there are lots of different schools of, his, of Islam. Some of them are more amenable to this idea of, you know, modernity and coexistence. And I think, I, I think in, the, in the modern world, probably that's what's going to win. Because I don't think anyone wants to live like Gaza, right? In, yeah. in, in the end, people, people would much rather live like Dubai or like, like, like Bahrain or Qatar. They don't want to live like... But like they lived, Hamas has led the Palestinian people to hell, and that's a that's a sign. That's a sign that these extremist schools of thought are not going to work. And 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 I mean, look, I look, look, look what ISIS, look what ISIS have have brought upon the, the areas that they that they controlled. It, these these extreme these extremist ideologies they lead to destruction. I think that is a really good point, actually. And you know, Stephen Pinker talks about this in Enlightenment now uh, that with progress when when people have more money or more freedom or more disposable income and they're happier people they don't want to hurt other people so much they don't want suffering for their neighbor because they are living prosperously and they can focus on themselves and building living a nice life uh that's why yeah you know you see that in australia you see you see people who have come from war-torn countries or the children of war-torn, war-torn countries. And look, I still think as October 7th sort of showed us and the, the protests at the opera house with, you know, gas the Jews and things like that. I think there's still a lot of learnt racism and learnt anti-Semitism, but fortunately so far touch wood, it hasn't developed any further but I think that's why we should in the west we should be really mindful of like um you know unemployment and poverty and any other forms of instability because once things get more and more unstable or unstable 
in Australia or in the UK, uh, that's when violence, that's mm. when um, race-based tribal violence breaks out because you know what I mean? I think I think it's really interesting you raised Steven Pinker because I think Steven Pinker has been a big influ- intellectual influence on me over the years. And I would say that, you know, his, his discussion of the, the decline of violence throughout throughout the ages has been very, it's very instructive. And one of the one of the biggest places where that decline is apparent is in Europe. And Europe for many centuries was torn apart by inter-Christian warfare. Which sect of Christianity is the right one? And how do we impose it on others? So this, you know, relig- religious violence is not something that's unique to the Muslim world, right? It's not unique to any any religion. They're, pretty much every religion has some level of violent history. I think I think I think Buddhism maybe has the reputation of being the most peaceful, but every religion has some level of reputation for having some level of viol- violent history. And there's been a huge decline in Christian violence, and that is linked to, I would say, um, modernization, secularization, economic development. And you know, sec- secular nationalism and national infrastructure. And, and when you, when when your when your when your life is, I'm going to go to go to school, and I'm going to go to university, and I'm going to become a doctor, I'm going to become an engineer, I'm going to become a poet or an artist, and I'm going to you know peacefully coexist with people who have different religious views to me, then th- that's the path you go on. If you're if you're being raised in a in a very poor country, and Everyone around you is talking about how maybe they're talking about they hate the Jews. Maybe they're talking about they hate Israel. And they're talking about jihad, 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 martyrdom, martyrdom, martyrdom. Then what's what's going to happen? You're going to get put on a pathway towards Hamas, Al-Qasam. So I think think modernization has worked in Europe. And and it, it it came out of one of the most brutal conflicts and one of the most anti-Semitic conflicts. Of course, we you know got Godwin's law. We're now talking about Hitler. Hitler was a a brutal dictator who murdered, slaughtered you know not just, not just six million Jews, but disabled people and gypsies and just just all the different groups he hated. But after that, after we saw where that leads, we saw where it led. It led to the led to the gates of hell. When, we, when Europeans saw where that led, there was liberalization and tolerance and secularism and countries started to coexist. And nowadays, a guy who's born in France or a girl who's born in France can go and live in Germany. And, 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 and they, have, they have freedom of movement between those countries, right? So the, the future could be very yeah. bright for the Middle East if they look at what happened with the EU and people, you know... It, not just Israelis and Palestinians, because there's a lot more violence around the Middle East. There's Yemen and there's Syria and there's Afghanistan. If, if, if people look at the status quo and they see the violence that's going on and they say, there is an alternative, economic development, modernity, prosperity, that's the alternative that we want to go towards, where we can coexist peacefully and where we can understand our neighbors. That would be wonderful if that, the Middle East chooses that path. Yeah, I wonder about the generational differences. I know your dad was born there. Uh, I'm not sure around what year he was born, but uh, from what I've seen, I, I love this YouTube channel, um, Ask a Palestinian or Ask an Israeli. Have you seen that YouTube channel? Yes, I certainly have many times for many different yeah, questions. Like, 
There are lots of vox pops uh, for people who haven't seen it. This guy goes around doing vox pops on the street, asking Palestinians, asking Israelis what they think about each other and the war and everything. Um, and some people have commented, and maybe I've seen it too, that at times there does seem to be a generational difference between older Palestinians and younger. Obviously, we all know that young men are like the most, you know, violent throughout all cultures. It's, you know, a normal thing for young men to feel this aggressive, you know, testosterone, go to war, and also feel like they need, young men need a purpose. And uh, I think when, as we were saying before, when men can't, young men can't get work or an education or um, money or a family or women, they feel the need to, get it violently. Um, So I think that's part of what's happening there. But to go back to my original question, do you think there is a generational difference? Obviously there are young people like you who are more pro-peace with the internet and, you know, talking. Surely this should help. Do I think Palestinians are modernising? I certainly do. I think it's vastly different in and easier if you live in the West. Obviously, I went through the British school system. You know, a lot of my crit- critics say that I'm not really Palestinian because although my father's Palestinian, I'm culturally British. Some 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 people would see would see me as that. I don't I don't agree with them. I think being Palestinian is is passed down from father to son. As I, I, that, that's that's what is. Um, that's the way I, I I would interpret it. That's also that's also the way the law in Palestine interprets it. The PLO Charter says that being Palestinian is defined by having a Palestinian father. So um, yes, it's the opposite I, to Judaism. Yeah, yeah it's patrilineal. Which is maternal. Yeah, patrilineal. Yeah. So of course, of course, of course, if you have a Jewish mother and a Palestinian father, then you're going to be <laughs> you'll be mm. both. Right. But yeah. Um, I I yeah I think I think modern young Palestinians of course are going to have a modern young mentality because they're going to play video games they're going to read Twitter they're going to listen to pop music especially if you live in the West you're going to and it's also possible that you can go through a normal childhood in the West and then you can become completely radicalized that happens to white European Mm -hmm. kids sometimes 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 you get all the time and he he, he ends up in a training camp in Afghanistan firing firing a RPG on his shoulder so that it it, it can it can we're all individuals and we can all go in different directions, but I absolutely do see a, a, a trend and a current towards modernization. And as, I, as I say, sometimes that will be in, in people who are like Emirati, for example, like or, 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 or Saudi. They, they have, gr- have grown up in a more sort of modern environment. Yes, it's a, still a deeply religiously Muslim environment, but they see the benefits of modernity. They might have traveled to the US. They might have traveled to the UK. And... That you get, you get as you travel to more modern and economically developed countries, and it, it could be, it could be South Korea, it could be some, somewhere in the East, right? It could be Singapore, um, it could be could could, could, he, could he, uh, Qatar, very controversial, but it could be Qatar, and you 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 as you as you travel more and as you learn more and as you meet more people, it expands your horizons. And I think I think mm. generally that's what that's what's happening. The the Palestinians who I meet, who I talk to, who have who have left Gaza and who are criticizing Hamas are people with wider horizons than just I'm gonna sit in a room all day and I'm gonna read the Quran and I'm gonna study exactly how to grow my beard in the exact same way as the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. 
so I think two things with the advent of social media, I've noticed two things like there's the path that you've gone on, which is the path of, you know, enlightenment and tolerance. Uh, but, and like learning more in curiosity, but I think there's also this other path, which really worries me, um, which is that young people see um, maybe naively because they haven't experienced it firsthand, but they see like the revolutionary aspect, mm-hmm. like the the leftist sort of like um, like these these groups, Hamas, the Houthis, um, even the Taliban. Uh, they. I know a lot of young people see them as really cool and really, you know, because they stand up against the fuddy-duddy, like, conservative parents. Like, I even notice that in what I've been posting, I think a lot of my friends who see themselves, friends, by the way, who know nothing about the conflict and haven't met a single Palestinian or Israeli nor Jew nor anyone, but they just see, like, the PR for... Palestine is so much better than for Israel and they see Israel is not only like evil Zionist but like lame and old school and like conservative and Palestine is cool and revolutionary and like diverse and you know I've I mean I I, I've there's some pretty cringe social media on on both sides I've seen some some pretty Mm -hmm fringe pro-israel stuff right i think i think i think i think in terms of um in terms of what people see on social media um and what what sort of um you know information they're consuming i think i think that there there are there there are people with like a you know fuddy-duddy conservative maybe the 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 term boomerish (laughs) mentality on 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 all sides um i think i think israel israel is certainly struggling in terms of its, um, you know, standing in the world, and I, I think I think one very very large factor with that is, of course, going to be the, the very asymmetric uh, death counts, and we we're continuously seeing, you know, Palestinian children dead in Gaza. So I think I think I think I think I think Israel Israel is very easy to hate. I, what, what, so certainly something that's true in British culture. I don't know the extent it's true true in Australian culture. Is we love a plucky upstart, right? So the underdog, the, the, the Palestinians are very, very much the underdog, and I think there are lots of social media operators who support the Palestinian cause very devoutly, and and, and you know pe- pe- people who support Hamas who are very, very good at social media and very good at getting clicks and likes, and they use um, they they use their words and they use their emojis and they use videos and photos very, very cleverly. But I think I think the deeper point here is that there is an ideology of decolonization, Marxism, Leninism, tankyism that is sort of floating around in the background. It is the idea, West bad, the West is bad, modernity is bad, return to primitive, decolonized, indigenous wonderfulness where we live a harmony with nature and you know mm. I, I mean I, I think I think I think the it's ideas so of 
The ideas of that movement are so nebulous because there, there isn't really a country that has ever pulled that off, really, right? Every, you know, even, even, even countries that have done, um, you know, a decolonization of a colonial power, like, for example, Nigeria, they're still trying to modernize their economy. They're still trying to have a, a, a modern economy and modern technology. So, I, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of it is really, really naive, wishful thinking on the part of maybe some people who are quite young who absorb this idea that the West is bad and modernity is bad and liberalism is bad. And what we really need are communist decolonizers who are going to slaughter all of the bad guys because they view the world in incredibly Manichian terms of one side is very, very, very good and they're the oppressed peoples of the world and one side is very, very bad and that's the oppressors. And of course, when you apply that label to this conflict, the oppressed people are the Palestinians, you know, Zionism took their land and the oppressors are of course, the Israelis and hand in hand with the Americans and genocide Joe or whatever they're going to call him. And I, you know, I, I, I think that this is an extremely simplistic reading of what's going on because the actual history, when you really look at it, is that Jewish people as a diaspora were maybe one of the most oppressed groups ever. We, we, we mentioned Hitler earlier, but actually there was a, a, a thousand years of pogroms, a thousand years of, you know, riots and massacres of Jewish people based upon anti-Semitic myths like, oh, they're poisoning the wells, they drink the blood of children, they're responsible for spreading the plague. These things have got repeated and repeated and repeated. And of course, there have been pogroms and expulsions. There were expulsions in the UK. There probably were. I don't think there were for any from Australia because Australia was not established then as a um, modern nation state. But there were certainly, certainly expulsions. Spain, in Italy, everywhere. In Italy, right. Yeah, pretty and, much and, everywhere where Jews have lived. And the reality is that in terms of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it's two separate national movements that are both seeking the liberation of living in a you know self-determining country and i i, I think i i think funda fundamentally that's the truth that it's it's not actually it's not actually that the israelis are colonizers at all it's that they're a different country to the palestinians there's two there's two there's two countries here and of course the, the the palestinian desire to live you know safely and securely in a palestinian state is is legitimate if you know if that's the, if that's the desire of course with hamas it's it's actually you know this globalist islamist vision of first we conquer palestine and then we start looking to unite with the rest of the muslim world and we extinguish zionism that's that that's the hamas perspective but in terms of in terms of the Palestinian cause, I think that the Palestinian cause is being we want to be a Palestinian country with a Palestinian flag, and we want we want it want to, we want it to be internally contiguous, and we want to be economically normalized. I think that's completely respectable, and it's something that I support and promote 100%. I am a I am a supporter of the legitimate Palestinian cause of being a Palestinian country and having self determination, but. The reality is that this is shades of grey. It's not actually an oppressor, one hundred percent, and an oppressed one hundred percent, and and it's hard for people to conceptualise that. And people will get very, very angry. They get very angry because because sometimes it isn't. It sometimes it isn't as simple as oh, there's a colonial power, and the colonial power is bad, and the colonial power needs to withdraw. You know, reality is complicated. The 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 the, mm -hmm. the world's complicated, and so and and sometimes you have to compromise and sometimes you have to work within the boundaries of reality 
Yeah. And my view towards Israel, like I was actually quite anti-Israel as a young person at university. I knew nothing about it, but I knew that Israel bad, Palestine good, Israel evil oppresses, Palestinians oppressed. And I had, yeah, no understanding. And then, you know, post-October 7th and speaking to more Jews and Israelis, I've learned about how Israel came to be and like the reasons for Zionism and also like what other country in the world needs an Iron Dome? Like, you know, there's a reason why Israel needed to protect itself so much. And also, yeah, as, as we both know, like Jews have just um, suffered from persecutions from day dot and, maybe they can be seen as overly, um, you know, paranoid or zealous, but um, people who have, you know, survived the Holocaust or, you know, the the children or grandchildren of these people, uh, they know what it's like and they know that things can turn on a dime. Like, you know, Jews in Germany lived, they were one of the most prosperous Jewish groups in the world and things were all good and then things just started you know at at first quite slowly you know little things started happening and then like before you know it there's a full-on like death camps and the holocaust and things these things do happen and I think we're too comfortable in the modern world we think that it couldn't happen again but these things do happen I think a lot of Jewish people who I talk to in the UK who I'm friends with are extremely concerned about the status of Jewish people in this country. And a lot of it is related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict where there are groups of young people who think that if you're, an, if you're a Zionist, you're an evil oppressor. And that is this new spiral of anti-Semitism, which could turn into, it could turn into violent pogroms against Jewish people. That is, uh, we, we hope not, we pray not, we discourage it, we want people to peacefully coexist, of course. But there, you know, when when you have this this setup of there is this group and they are the oppressor, that is the mentality that it can breed. Is that sometimes 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 people are labelled as the oppressor for the purpose of subjugating them, and that you know that's what we saw in the Rwandan genocide, for example, right? So the the it it, it what, labeling someone as an oppressor is is a quite a dangerous it, it's quite a dangerous thing if you then turn it into we need to hurt that group of people. So I, I certainly know that the Jewish community is incredibly well established in the UK, right? They've been here for hundreds of years. I believe it was Oliver Cromwell reinvited Jewish people to settle in the UK after they were, I believe that the, the last expulsion was 1291. But, you know, the, the Jews in the UK have been here for hundreds of years, but I know Jewish people who keep suitcases packed literally because they are concerned that there could be a spiral of pogroms. And that is... That is yeah. uh, that that is that is that is terrible for me that I that I have to um, you know contemplate that because I you know I, I I want to work towards a world of peace and tolerance and understanding where we can all coexist and where our differences can be expressed verbally and resolved verbally through a process of negotiation and through a process of you know I scratch my back you scratch I scratch your back you scratch my back. But, okay. I, I, that's not that's not the way it's going for for for, for some communities that are being labeled as oppressors. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, a few more questions. I feel like we could talk about this for hours. I actually have like 100 more questions, but um, I'm going to try to get to the most important one. So you, in your Atlantic piece, you say you grew up like um, watching and reading Al Jazeera, um, things like this, like uh, which obviously has like quite a, Al Jazeera does have a bias against Israel and Zionism. Um, is there, was there a, a turning point? Like, did you almost go down the route of like that? Who did we see yesterday? Mohammed El Kurd, who was like on the street, like, you know, in the UK sort of. <clears throat> oh, me, me, me personally. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been to lots of, lots of pro Palestine rallies. I've, I've, I've done all, all, well, not all. I mean, there are some really, really awful ones. I've definitely done from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. I mean, did did I understand that that that, that meant the destruction of Israel? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about it like that at the time. I, I was. I was. I was. I was doing the um, may, maybe more Westernized interpretation of oh, that means there should be a free Palestinian state. So I, I, I. When did you change, and what changed you? I went through a long process of contemplation and a lot of that is going to be reading philosophy. I think, um, you know, re- re- reading Nelson Mandela's autobiography was, was pretty important. Reading, uh, Marcus Aurelius reading, uh, fun- funnily enough, le- you know, learning, learning statistics and learning about, uh, people like, um, Nazim Nicholas Talib. He was a pretty, pretty, pretty big influence on me. He's actually very, very pro Palestine now, which is, which is, yeah. He said he, he he said he certainly got got me into um you know stoicism and thinking about thinking about can things. I just explain oh, sorry yeah. because my face probably looked really uh sad when you said he's pro Palestine I'm not I think we should say it's not that he's pro Palestine none of us I do not have an issue with people being pro Palestine I have an issue with people being anti Israel exactly exactly so the issue but, is I, with being anti Zionist so. How did maybe, you come to be? Said, maybe I should have said he was actually. It was not the so much that he's been pro pro Palestine. It was that he's being um, quite quite anti Zionist, quite quite yes. uh, delegitimizing of uh, yes. the, the Israeli, Israeli cause. But I think I think I think I think reading a lot was was it was is very important to me. Um, you know, have cultivating friendships with Jewish people so that I could try and see things from both sides. I think that's. That's I'm, I've, I've been very fortunate in that I've kind of grown up with um, access to Jewish people. It's probably a little bit harder if you live in Palestine or Sudan or Ethiopia or countries with you know zero percent Jewish populations have access to Jewish people. So you can try and see things from the Israeli side a little bit. Um, Did you have preconceptions about Jewish people? Um, you know, I, I per- personally within my within my family and with my, with my mother, I was always taught to be. Um, you know, kind of judge people as an individual and not have any sort of preconceptions about groups and communities. To be honest, to be honest, my, my father as well was he. You know, he he had he was a physicist, so he grew he he grew up meeting Jewish people a lot, right? In in, in Western universities and in um, companies he was working for. So he he had many Jewish colleagues. So he was you know he he never. Um, although he was a very strong Palestinian nationalist and a, and a river to the sea Palestinian nationalist, by the way, he was he, anti-Zionist. Oh, um, I, I, yeah, I would describe his view as anti-Zionist. He, I, I, I mean, he, 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 he certainly was not 
he certainly was not um, say uh, he, he certainly was not anti-Jewish. He always taught me to be respectful to Jewish people, and I think his vision of River to the Sea is as a Palestinian state, and Jewish people can stay, and Jewish people will, will be fine. And of course, of course, mm -hmm. the, the, is, is that is, is that is is that a naive interpretation? Well, in my opinion, it is. Mm -hmm. I think I think mm -hmm. that I think that the you know what what happened in Hebron in the 1920s and 1930s and uh, Zafed as well. I think I think I think that there, there were anti-Jewish pogroms before a uh, Zionist state was even established. So I think I think it, it is it, it is naive because there are elements of you know large-scale um, anti-Semitism in in some of these radical ideologies. So I I, I would be very worried. But I think my, my father certainly was he was he was a supporter of you know River to the Sea Palestine, and he at the same time he was someone who taught me to be very respectful and very tolerant to Jewish people. So life's complicated. So in summary, reading philosophy and speaking to other people and educating yourself sort of changed your mind and hopefully it I mean, can I mean, do the I, same for other people. Ch changed my mind is, is, is a bit of a, you know, I, I, I don't think I, I ever really had an, like, like and fully anti-Zionist views. I think I always was sort of aware aware that there was going to be because I, I I grew up with you know Oslo so I was aware that there was there was a two state solution and I was aware that there was an Israeli side and of course I, I didn't I I, I I nobody ever re to me no you know it, it was never forced on me that I I should believe the Israeli side should be destroyed so I was I was a child of Oslo I was a child of the nineties and I mm -hmm. I I I think I think I've always kind of been pro two pro two two state solution but. Many people of my generation have gone completely, like Muhammad Al Kurd, have gone completely um, towards, um, you know, the river to the sea mentality. So mm -hmm. I, 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 I could have easily gone in a different direction if I was a different person. And what do you, to finish on this note, what do you have to say to, I guess, young people who feel like, you know, they're at a crossroads choosing sort of your um, route of, peace or Muhammad El Kurds river to the sea get rid of Israel or you know a more violent approach I would say um I think the more maybe the most important thing is look at the consequences of river to the sea now in Gaza right that's Hamas's ideology that is where you know you, you like to strip Palestinians I'm not talking to you I'm talking to people in general you like to strip Palestinians of agency and say everything is on Israel, but Hamas does have, have agency. Hamas could choose a different path, right? They've chosen the path of rockets and tunnels and resistance, 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 war, 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 permanent war to permanently dislodge Israel. They've chosen that. That's their ideology. And look at the consequences. Look at the consequences for people under the rule of ISIS. Look at the consequences for people for, for people who lived in Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany was an expansionistic state. Look at the consequences. When, when, whenever, whenever there is military intolerant expansionism, it leads to mass violence. And that is the, and, and, and sometimes that mass violence rebounds back on you because you're not always going to be the conqueror. Sometimes you try and conquer someone and they push back and you lose. So I, I, I think modernity and freedom and peace and humanity are the values that people should choose. I think that's what I believe in. I think that that is that is what I want to encourage, you know, people from my my Palestinian background to support. I don't speak for anyone but myself, but that I think that that is what is going to be successful 
for Palestinians and for the world. Hear, hear. Thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, I hope to see you again soon because we could talk about this for hours, but I think an hour is enough for today.